There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I have Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening, you're to, listening to, to You're listening to And you're listening to You're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you, man? I'm good. We're running short on time this week, so we'll skip the cold open question. We have a very special guest coming up later in the show, uh, a young gentleman by the name of Sarath. You might know him as, uh, well, certainly the most well-known name in pro wrestling costume design, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, also known as Mr. Sasha Banks in many circles, also known this as a true. great former wrestler in his own right. This is um, true. All we're true. getting in the weeds, talking about the art of costuming and a very special charity project he's working on a little bit later in the show. But before we get to him... We got a lot of wrestling. We have to just speed speed through. Blast through. We should do a green room later this week or something just to catch up on everything we missed. Because I got thoughts. I got thoughts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, what? Where? Where to even begin? Do you want to take this? Uh, well, let, let's start with Raw. Let's just do this week, and then we can hit SmackDown on the at the end. Um, well, how did? What did you think about Cody Rhodes? Um, Raw is Cody. First, what? Yeah, Raw is Cody, what, man. That what, was what the do we first... think about? Okay. I, I, you know, you know, it is, it's, it's kind of weird how normal it already kind of feels, right? Like, it's kind of weird that like, you know, he jumped right into the Miz feud and was on Miz TV and he's doing literally every WWE like podcast and show and he's doing media everywhere. And it's like, man, he really went back and became like a better version of himself Mm -hmm. for the WWE, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like 
And you can only respect it because of the work he's done before he got back here, right? Like if this is anybody else, if this if you had no access to internet or 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 any sort of other channels and just didn't see Cody last time he saw Cody Rhodes with Stardust and came back and he was just super well dressed, almost professional athlete way and sort of like he carries himself. Um you wouldn't believe it. You would think like, okay, this is this doesn't feel right, but what what makes it all hold up is the fact that for the past six years he has been wrestling against yeah. the best players in 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 all of professional wrestling from AEW to Ring of Honor to New Japan to you know the indie of indies anywhere Defy wrestling like he's been literally everywhere so in a weird way Dave he kind of classes up the joint. Right, oh, yeah. like he kind of like he kind of brought a little bit more of a je ne sais quoi to Monday Night Raw, right? Absolutely. Like the, the hella promo, hella pyro. The the music is bumping. He's giving away his 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 belt. He's Dave. I was thinking about this the other day, and you you might push me off a ledge for thinking this. He's almost Hulk Hogan like. Mm. <laughs> well, you see a lot of elements of that stuff, right? It's I mean, he's lots got the- of. I'm a real American, all American, clean cut, blonde hair, freaking looks the part, big mm-hmm. dude, filled out, like really looks like a completely different dude since he was there six years ago. It's almost like we can't talk about Hogan no more in certain circles of certain oh, things. Oh, you think this is really deliberate? I think it's really deliberate. I think it's like, yo, like we need a new, like, re- I am a real American. Like, that's the only reason why you would think they would bring like Kingdom back as his theme song and, and leave the American Nightmare and hit you over the head with the American flag amongst uh, uh, the intros and all that. I think it's really deliberate. I think they they see Cody Rhodes as their new age Hulk Hogan. Like, as their new age, like, American hero. All right. Well, maybe so. I mean, maybe so. I mean, listen, I, I don't think that you, that, I mean, they, they they certainly might have talked themselves into that. I think this is what's most compelling about Cody is that it's Cody, right? It's that, like, you know, they would always say in the Attitude Era, or, or always, the best character is just yourself turn, with the volume turned up, right? Yeah, yeah. And listen, there was a lot of Cody in Dashing Cody Rhodes and in Stardust and in just regular Cody Rhodes when he started but he was still so young, you know, and certainly Stardust wasn't like him. Stardust was, was a character. And um, and I think in, in over the past six years, he's gotten the benefit of being able to go and sort of find himself, not just find himself, but also just like show himself to the world. Right. I mean, he's he he kind of took on this executive role in AEW. And even before that, when he was helping launch all in and everything like that. And and I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like he's come back. As himself turned up. You know, and that's and and it, it's as simple as it sounds. It's a lot of work to get there. As a and again, character. I'm if not you do saying, it, I'm not saying that in the sense of like you know, it's a bad thing to be looked at as a new age version of Hulk Hogan. I think they really did look at him and, and see like, man, this guy like like I said, he classed up the joint. Like he's really like turned himself into, you know, that's who he is, right? Like that's who he's become, and it's almost like there's almost like a. You know, I don't want to read too much into, uh, uh, you know, psychoanalyzing a lot of these professional wrestlers, but like, it you kind of get the feeling that like him coming back to WWE kind of is like, kind of like a, 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 
a high school quarterback kind of like coming back. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird sort of like morale boost. Like you can kind of tell like, you know, people are kind of jazzed up and he's kind of gotten a, a, a jolt back into the company that they really hadn't had in a long time, to be honest. Yeah. And I know it's just one Raw and I know it's just been one WrestleMania moment. I know it's been all this type of stuff, but I do see these things as being very deliberate in the sense where it's like, you know, yeah, he's built his value up to this, but on the second hand, it's like, man, if we can turn this guy into WWE is, you know, the, the unbeatable WWE marketing machine into like the new, like American hero of this company, that's, that's money. You can, you can't ever stop it. It already worked once. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I think this is, I think that's what they're going for with Cody, man. What do you think they're going for with Damian priest? He's got a, shirt or a sleeveless <laughs> vest thing and he's got the ability to control i don't know pyro or whatever the the light the 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 lighting system i still um, don't know what the hell that was <laughs> that was a little that was a little strange um but yeah i guess we're getting supernatural with it you know i think edge and damian priest got some uh brew 2.0 thing going on and uh you know, I feel like Edge said something in that promo where he was like, he's had this this thing inside of him that's been waiting to come out for a long time, and now mm-hmm. I've set it free. So maybe that's the thing. On top of Edge and, you know, doing his weird, creepy stuff as well, I think we're going to get some more Supernatural. It's been a lot. It's been a, a, you know, ever since there's no Undertaker really no more and Bray Wyatt's gone and there's no Alexa Bliss. Big lack of supernatural in WWE right now. So I think maybe that's where they're going. There's been a lot of Bray Wyatt talk. Uh, Undertaker mentioned him in an access panel that he did at the end of the WrestleMania weekend. Um, I don't know why. I feel like Bray Wyatt is, I see Bray Wyatt trending on Twitter like like twice a week. And usually it's not for any good reason. I mean, yeah. not for any specific reason. Like, there's no news coming out about Bray Wyatt. Right, right, right. Um, I think Undertaker's quote was, I hope he comes back home someday. Um, what do you think? Are we, is Bray Wyatt going to come home someday or someday soon? You know, at w- one time, I did not think it was possible. Um, especially if you kind of tell the way he was kind of used and the, what he kind of said post, you know, his release. But at this point, I don't put nothing past nobody. You know, I think... You know, we're also at the point right now that it's been so long since some people have been around. It wouldn't shock me if some folks that were released eventually got a call back. And if I'm doing that, I put, you know, Bray Wyatt still sells a hell of a lot of merch and toys <laughs> for mm-hmm. them, you know, so it wouldn't shock me if Bray Wyatt came back. And I'd like to see him back, to be honest. I don't think I want to see him in, if he wrestles again in AEW. I just think he works better in WWE. Well, it's not like Vince has never fired somebody and hired him back before. I mean, that's yeah, just it sort of happened. It never, <laughs> I think it's almost like to Vince, it doesn't like firing somebody is not, is not like the end, is not like a deal breaker. It's not like a relationship ender. It's just sort of like part of the cycle of life and mm-hmm. it all comes back around. I don't know. We got to keep talking about Raw. Um, uh, we, we did we talk about did we talk about Lashley and Omas and and MVP last week? I don't think we did. What, I think what do you, we touched what do you, on it really quickly. What, uh, what's your what's your what's your take on on MVP's new uh, new client? I like that it keeps MVP in the in the in the in the business. I like that it keeps him working. I think you know 
it also gives Lashley the opportunity to kind of like spread his wings on his own, which I think he really needed, especially if he's being treated as a babyface, which he is right now. Um, it's, it's you know, Dan, was it Dan? Uh, our guest last week mm-hmm. said the same thing. Like, sometimes a trade helps both parties and Bobby needed to be on his own. And Omos still kind of needs a little bit of of somebody who can talk for him. And yeah. as great as AJ is in the ring, nobody louds him for his promos. But MVP, however, absolutely. So I think it works both ways. And I'm I'm, I'm interested in seeing where it goes from here. Yeah, same here. I'm I mean, I, I I like it. I hope that I hope that they really make a commitment to not just you know, MVP, but the angle, you know, but the storyline, obviously yeah. that's part of what made, I mean, the Hurt Business shouldn't have broken up, but part of what made it work up to that point was a sort of long-term consistency of it, you know, yeah. and then the law and, and dang, MVP is just such a treasure, man. It's such a gem. Um, what, what do you think about Austin Theory becoming just Theory? Welcome to the club, brother. <laughs> uh, in the in the land of Elias Sampson's and Biggie Langston's and, all these other l- names that have gone for long. Welcome to the club, Theory. But isn't you know. Theory like a weird name? <laughs> I mean, obviously they couldn't just pick Austin. But right. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like Theory. Theory. Uh, yeah. I guess it's not that. I guess it's not that much different than Riddle. But here's the thing with Riddle: everybody still calls him <laughs> Matt Riddle, right? Yeah. That's also his real name. It's Austin, Austin also Theory's. <laughs> Austin Theory's name is definitely not. I actually don't know what it is. It might be Austin something, but but um. I'm pretty sure it's not Austin something either. I no. think it's like no, it is Austin White. Austin White. Ah, okay. Maybe <laughs> I was gonna say White Theory could have been. A good I was. Name, I was but... thinking that way too. That would take <laughs> us into some weird territory, man. It really but, would have. Not, not not with this audience, no sir. We're good. We're super uh, good. <laughs> is there anything? Let's let's, let's keep tracking along. Um, I don't know if there is anything huge that happened at, at NXT on NXT 2.0 except that gauntlet match. Well, oh, Natalia's down there slapping Core Jade in the face. Yes, that bears uh, mention. I yes. like that the the only the, the the less than forbidden door is open between WWE main roster and NXT. That's always fun to see. Uh, yes. but but with that gauntlet match at the end, that the gauntlet tag team match. I don't know if you watched it. Was freaking amazing, man. I mean, that's. I know that we talk about AEW matches a lot, and we say that's textbook. Uh, like how to get somebody over with losing, you know, old school mm. booking stuff. But man, the Creed brothers look like a million bucks, and now they can chase the title, and that's that—that's exactly the place that you want to be. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, Creed brothers are like, uh, let's take Braun Breaker and make two of them, <laughs> you know. And uh, just as far as entering intensity, uh, those are the first two guys I've seen wrestle in NXT 2.0. Uh, as soon as it first started, we saw Braun Breaker doing a promo and then we had the Creed brothers in the first match. And I think that's by design. I think they know what they got with the Creed brothers and there's always money in a chase. So I'm not mad at pretty deadly winning that, uh, tag team gauntlet match, but, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to see where they go from there because I think they complement each other really well. Really unfortunate what happened with MSK as well. Uh, I hope that gets settled out and sorted because it just seems like a nasty situation. Uh, but yeah, man, fun, Fun, fun tag team match. And NXT 2.0 continues to be super fun, man. All right. How about AEW? We had a hell of a main event. Uh, Samoa Joe and Suzuki. It was every bit as choppy and brutal as you would have wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A great look for Joe and his, you know, return to the ring. Um, 
But what everybody's going to talk about is that finish <laughs> uh, with Santam Singh coming out, and uh, uh, I don't even know what <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, that's, that's the right. That's the right response. That's the right response. Um, they all can't be home runs. I think, Mel- yeah, I know. Well, they, they had announced this overrun. It was sort of a big deal. I think Meltzer has since said that this was part of a d- deliberate decision by Nick Khan to to kind of curry favor with this Indian audience. And he's mm. he's he got a, he's got a TV deal there, and it's part of the whole Time Warner Discovery merger. That's a big factor that he wants everything to be, you know, moving in the right direction when that merger takes place. And there's Ooh. a lot of different things. I think that for most people, it just came down to. Why are you doing a lights out debut <laughs> for somebody that nobody knows? And listen, like I said, I'm a Dallas, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. I know Santem Singh. Uh, that didn't affect the fact that I was just utterly perplexed when he made his first appearance. It's just a, a, a odd decision. A very odd decision. Uh, I thought we were getting Zazaro when the when the once the lights went off. I was like, oh, here he comes. And then, uh, you know, they all can't be home runs. What's worse than that, though? Did you see the video uh, uh, after it went off the air? Apparently, there no. were we want Cody chants from that fan oh, base. I'm really? like, are you kidding? I, I promise you, they would be saying, who are you or we want Cody? But a lot, a good majority of Twitter were saying it sounded like we want Cody. Uh, oh, man. Which is uh, the, plot twist, the plot twist. The plot twist. Yeah. Like, I did not expect that. But. AEW is incredibly in the service of uh, serving their fans, which they've been very good at. (laughs) Well, I don't think they're going to get Cody back, at least not uh, a time Yeah, one, I don't think they're getting Cody back. And two, it's kind of... I feel for... I feel like they're starting to lose their bag of tricks a little bit. You know, like every time it's Tony Khan with a big announcement or here comes another big surprise or whatever. And then like, you know, it's not necessarily being followed through as well, as well as we'd like it to. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the show itself was great. I thought uh, yeah, it was a know, really good show. It was a really good show, but. I like, you know, I like, I like CM Punk. I like, as like Punk the, and as like the work the workhorse figurehead non champion just like coming in opening shows with these bangers. I mean, come yeah. on, like it's 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 a great. It, he's what a what, what, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, even MJF. I think MJF is uh, and what Wardlow are doing are, are great, great, great TV. Shoot, MJ MJF is is getting dangerously close to being, you know. Too cool to be a heel. <laughs> like never, there was some, never. There was not MJF. There was definitely some cheers when he came out last night. I'm like, uh oh, it's happening. It's happening. He's got to do some dastardly shit to get get people to hate him again. But people, are, he's starting to be too good as a heel that people are really starting to like him. So uh, we'll see and how talk, that goes. Talking about too good, uh, I don't. I feel like I must have said some low key stuff, some low key less than positive stuff about Jurassic Express. Over the years, I certainly have thought it. I just think, you know, it's not exactly the gimmick that you want for somebody who's going to be one of your big stars and blah, blah, blah. But man, I'm finding it increasingly hard to have any objection to that duo because no matter what you say, like every night they go out and just have incredible matches, man. I mean, yeah. like every time they're in the ring, it's like it's their appointment viewing now. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. We, let's roll on. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Well, two things that are related. 
Um, the Usos look like they're going to try to uh, unify the tag titles now, which is a big deal. And that's mm-hmm. that matters because, uh, in part, because WWE just announced this big show in Cardiff. They're going to do their first pay-per-view in the UK in I don't know how many years, and everybody's freaking excited about it. Um, and they have, and they've also kind of announced on the side that they're doing house shows in London and Paris, and Usos versus RKO. Oh, is my, or is this a different tour? Wait, hold on, figure this part Might out. Might be a different tour. Oh yeah, that's a live event. It's in April. Um, that stadium show show in the UK is going to be a banger. Oh, regardless, I can't just because I love UK crowd, UK the UK wrestling crowd. That's the one thing I miss about NXT uh, UK takeovers. Mm-hmm. Man, that that UK crowd is probably some of the best. I, I, I got to do that. I haven't I haven't crossed that off my wrestling bucket list yet. If, if Spotify is setting people out to cover this UK show, please let's figure something out because you have to be there. Hopefully, it's on Peacock or something, but it's going to be dope. Can't wait. I don't even know who's on the card, but I just know that crowd is going to be massive. They've been wanting this for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's true. not WrestleMania UK yet, but it's they, they'll make no, a pretty strong. There. We're getting make a pretty strong case for it if they show out for this stadium tour. So sure. before then, actually, and just like at the end of the month, you, WWE is actually going out to London and Paris to do some shows, and it's being headlined by Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, which is, it looks like you know where SmackDown is headed. I think everybody's kind of been having eyeing that, and it's gonna it's it's definitely gonna happen. Also, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey and RK Bro versus the Usos in this tag team unification angle. Um, I'm excited if they're going to unify the tag team titles. They should unify the women's titles too. You know, they should unify. Uh, I mean, maybe bring in some other ones, but it's just so bizarre to have. It's ne- I've never gotten over them. Be- there being like dueling titles, especially in the women's and tag team ranks. Yeah, there's not enough tag teams or women to split them up like that. So, yeah. Uh, well, cool, man. Um, let's jump on into this interview now, and um, we'll definitely dive into more newsy talk next week. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, man. Welcome back to the Mass Man Show. Cass here. And we're joined uh, by a good friend of mine, uh, somebody who is, you know, when you talk about people that are extremely talented in, in multiple ways in, in professional wrestling and influential in uh, just everything he's accomplished that you may not even know about, you know, may not recognize on a name basis, but just all the work that he's done to really encapsulate how you view WWE programming. My guy, Sarath, one of the greatest, you know, it's a short list of, of, of incredible, you know, designers and, and costume makers and just iconic fits that you've put together that's gone on to be immortalized in video games and, and action figures and, and all this stuff. And, and especially with your work with, with, with Sasha Banks and just the sort of creativity that you've brought to something that a lot of people don't really think about, you know, which is costume design and you know the way people are presented in a in a in a company that's all about big presentations you know so uh you're here for many other reasons but i want to talk to you just specifically about that and you know just kind of what drives you creatively well i mean thank you first of all for having me uh of I, course. I appreciate it. i haven't seen you in forever we're it's always, been a minute i'm mad yeah, I mi- i'm mad i missed you in dallas bro dude, we're, we're, we're always <laughs> ships moving in the night like i tell people all the time at mania mania week People are always asking where I'm at. And hey, if you come to the hotel and you look for the sewing room, chances are three, four in the morning, that's where I'm at. <laughs> wow. Tolling away. Like I've invited this man to every Wally Mania we've ever had. And he's given me the same exact answer <laughs> every WrestleMania week. It's like, y'all many are working, man. It's hard. I'm working. So Mania in uh, New Orleans, I want to say that was like 33 or 34, one of those. Uh, I was so sleep deprived one night I was probably like up on like 30, 34 hours of sleep. And I was so tired. I needed to go get coffee. So the Mania Hotel in New Orleans, they have a, there's a Starbucks in the, in the lobby. So I went there to go get Starbucks. Next thing you know, I walk full speed into the glass panel. Like <laughs> My glass is getting embedded into my, my eyebrow. I pull it off. Blood starts shooting everywhere. I, they need to pull me into medical to give me wow. six stitches. And wow. then I'm just like, they're like, all right, just hurry up. I got to get back to work. I got to go back and finish <laughs> this gear. So wait, so give give us an idea of how this mania thing works. I actually talked to, um, I talked to Ray Mysterio during WrestleMania week about, about, well, I didn't know what his, what his, you know, look was going to be for the big show yet, but it was right before that. And I was, and I was asking him about, you know, who is, who his costume guys are and, and, and how he gets everything done. He says he has a guy in, I think Japan and a guy he's been using forever in Mexico. And I was asking, I was like, you always hear that these like old stories about, you know, back in the day, I guess somebody would be <laughs> so, somebody, there'd be a new designer on the scene. Somebody would do somebody's gear and then everybody would say, where'd you get that? And they would all call the people and they would get so burnt out. They disappear in like three months or something, you know, they were like there. But what Ray said was, you know, his guy in Japan's consistent, but he always makes sure to get his WrestleMania request in by like January because it's, you know, it, you need three months at least to like guarantee that it's going to be there. I'm guessing by the fact that you're working till all hours of the night on WrestleMania week that not everybody got their requests in in January. 
the thing is, a lot of people, a lot we try to get everybody to get their requests in by Royal Rumble. But I mean, that obviously doesn't happen that often. And the reason why you're trying to get it in within that time is because you also got to go and you got to go and source the materials. You got to like flesh out ideas. Sometimes you'll come up with an idea and everybody will be okay with it. And then all of a sudden storylines change and you got to, you got to improvise. You got to make changes. And also, you know, a lot of my regular customers also have a couple of pay-per-views in between. So you're not only working on WrestleMania stuff, you have all this other, these other pay-per-views that are coming in that you then got to take care of as well. So it's just a whole bunch of like trying to weave in and out of, you know, okay, I'm working on WrestleMania stuff while taking care of, you know, you know regular everyday things as well. And I also have a household to maintain. Like I can't just be doing gear all the time. I got I to gotta mow the lawn or at least talk to my lawn guy. But yeah, no, Ray, I mean, Ray's got his, Hayashi's been doing his gear for, 25 years and like some of his stuff is the stuff that i remember that's like yeah. my favorite outfits you know seeing as a kid watching wrestling but like the two the, the ladies i work with we had terry backstage we used to have julie those two literally the position of seamstress at wwe was created for them like they started off they were making the rockers they were making the heart foundation mm-hmm. every single thing Shawn michaels wore every single thing undertaker wore you can thank them so, you know, when, when you think of Shawn Michaels descending from the, the rafters on the zip line in that, mm-hmm. in that white, that's Julie. When you see Ministry of Darkness, you know, uh, Undertaker, that's Terry. And like Terry's still there. So I'm working like, and as, as, as many compliments as I get for some of the gear I make, I just say like, I'm working with some goats. Like, I'm just, I'm just a new guy. But yeah. No, and, and to, to what you said, there are a lot of gear makers that fizzle out after a while or that were big when I was younger who aren't around anymore, like Easy Money. Um, there's OVW, Matt Striker, all these guys that were getting gear from, uh, people were getting gear from back in the day. But again, when you make a good, when you find a good gear designer, you kind of want to keep them in the bag because as soon as everyone finds out, you know, everybody descends like locusts. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're burnt out. They, they can't handle it. Well, it's good to see that you're, for the most part, maintaining that incredible workload that you put on, uh, especially around this time of the year. Uh, but you're also here because you are, um, it's not just wrestling clothes that you design. You design lots of things. And you've had a long uh, partnership with Foot Locker for a minute. And obviously with, with the work WWE does, with Wale and, and everybody else, like, you know, they've always been very big supporters of, you know, the pro wrestling community. So I always thought it was really dope that you got to, you know, express yourself in a way creatively. That's also for a good cause. What Foot Locker? Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So actually right now, available right now in Foot Locker and Champs in store and online, we have the Deodora N9002B scene. And this shoe is dedicated to autism acceptance and awareness. It's a, a, a cause that's very near and dear to my heart because my brother-in-law is autistic. And uh, when I was brought with the challenge of putting this shoe together or just this program together in general, this was like last year we came out with this shoe. Uh, John at Foot Locker, whose son is autistic, you know, we would have conversations. I would tell him about how I used to work in sneaker stores uh, growing up. And when the program came about, he asked me if I wanted to take a crack at it. And because of, you know, uh, my goal was to put forth uh, Joshua's personality and just thinking of him when I'm putting this design together, I just held it really close. So I approached this one 
in many different ways. Uh, the big thing is the whole tagline of this program this year is called Be Seen with the idea that autistic individuals, you know, it's, it's so easy to get you know, fall into the cracks or get pushed into the background, not because anyone's looking at you differently, but because people don't understand what autism really is. The spectrum is so wide and people aren't really sure, you know, exactly, exactly what it encapsulates or how, how big the spectrum is. But instead of asking a question about it, they don't because for fear of, you know, offending someone. So, uh, that was the whole concept behind this project. Um, uh, on the tongues, I incorporated actually a glow-in-the-dark awareness and acceptance tag. Yeah. And that whole idea is even at night, they deserve to be seen. I mean, we'll get this video up on social, but for the people who are just listening to this as a podcast, those are some good-looking shoes. Yeah, yeah, like on top of every the, the, the great cause it is, it's a stylish-looking kick, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I love John at Foot Locker. He's been very influential, in, you know, uh, he's been very helpful throughout the years, especially when it comes to the the pro wrestling and Foot Locker stuff. And I love that you know, it was it was a common sort of ground you guys kind of came to. You know, whether it be your your brother in law and uh, John's son. Um, just talk to me a little bit about how you know this sort of collaboration and and collaborations you've done in the past to raise autism awareness has uh, kind of been received. Just, you know, I see a lot of the star, the other superstars wearing the shoe and posting it on Instagram and and supporting it. And just talk to me a little bit about just how, you know, the, the long partnership that you and Foot Locker have had has uh, really helped so far. So, I mean, the partnership itself has been, you know, very good. I think the the key thing with the partnership is we wanted to give the autistic community something that can make them feel like everyone else. Because, you know, growing up, you would see autistic individuals who might have not have the motor skills in order to tie their shoes. So they were always stuck with just a plain black sneaker with Velcro straps, you know, just very, you know, just an afterthought as far as, you know, include, including them in the sneaker game. So with this sneaker, we actually uh, used adaptive laces and what adaptive laces are is they're elastic. So once the shoe is actually tied, you can then slip your foot in and out without actually having to untie it. And that whole idea is we wanted to we wanted to give them a shoe that looks just like every other shoe out there. Stylish, fashionable, has laces on it, but is also inclusive of them so that they can then possibly put on the shoe by themselves without actually having to need help and to help them feel a little more independent and you know self-sufficient. Um, the, for me, the big thing is, you know, April is Autism Awareness Month. And like February with Black History Month, you, you, when the month begins, you kind of see the decorations come out. You see everybody talking about it. You know, it's everywhere. And then all of a sudden, you know, March hits or, or May hits and all the decorations get put aside. It goes back in the closet and no one thinks about it till next year. And for, for me, that's something that like shouldn't happen. These are things that should be talked about all year round. So with a shoe like this, if uh, you, someone can put it on and show their support all year round. And it can be a conversation started when someone sees you wearing it, you know, it might strike up a conversation like, Oh, that's an autism shoe. Like what's your connection? Or if somebody buys it, they don't even know it's an autism shoe and you can point it out. And then it's, it just starts that com gets that conversation rolling. And for me, if that conversation gets started, you can start bridging the gap in, uh, of understanding and education for people so that they then can not feel, you know, 
like they might offend somebody if they want to ask a question about it. I, I, I just, I just want to break that ice and get that conversation started so that we can normalize the conversations about it. Because I think a lot of people will find that once they start learning about it, once they start learning about how wide the spectrum is, they may find that there's a lot of people in their lives that are affected by autism and they don't even know it. Wow. That's really cool, man. Um, I'm going to have to, you know, take a hard right turn here because we have a segment on the show that doesn't really exist, but it sort of exists. I keep joking <laughs> it's a segment, about it. It's a segment we've done here and there on the show, but with you being Anytime here, I want to complain about what somebody's wearing on TV, <laughs> we have a, we have a segment called Tights Talk. And um, uh, it's, it's funny because I, I had a couple of notes for this one. I have very few complaints right now, but I wanted to get into some of this stuff to ask you about how stuff really works, right? Now- I know there's this guy named Ezekiel who's been hanging out on Raw. Not, he's not he's not Elias. <laughs> to be clear. You sure it isn't human Shrek? Because he looks like yeah. human Shrek. <laughs> Same jaw and everything. And hair it's, but I, I had a note from way back because just kind of, I guess, totally randomly, a while back, the Elias' renderer from 2K from the new video game popped out and he's wearing the briefs, right? He's wearing these like, like creamsicle color briefs with the tied front. And I don't know. I mean, I know, I know I know I should be the traditionalist here. I'm like, put the guys in their trunks. We don't need yeah. all these like backyard wrestlers and jeans or whatever. Wearing but jeans and sleeveless shirts. What kind of this is what kind of backyard wrestling is this? Yeah, but but once you're established uh, wearing jeans, it seems sort of like you're taking your clothes off when you when you start appearing in, you know, briefs or whatever. It's it's a big shift that we got to get ready for. I guess here's my question for you. Do people ever come to you and they're like, I'm going for a new look. I got to do this. And in the back of your mind, you're just like, wow, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, so generally speaking, I don't, I don't think there are such things as terrible ideas, just maybe ill executed. Mm. I think like say in the Elias case, it's not necessarily that his look is bad per se. It's that everybody's so used to seeing the drifter character that, you know, he comes in this way, but you got to remember it's, it's a completely different character. I mean, <laughs> nobody, nobody remembers the fact that, you know, you know, Fatu or went from, uh, or Rikishi went from, you know, head shrinkers to, you know, uh, was street, what was it? Streets. Yeah. The, the man who can make a difference. Yeah. That, he was, and he was yeah. Alton and then he was mm-hmm. Rikishi. Like sometimes like it's, you got to remember, like these are actors playing characters. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, it's not, you can't, you can't watch it from the view of, well, I just saw him last week in jeans and a t-shirt. Why does he look like this now? It's he's not Elias. He's Ezekiel. Elias' brother. This is true. I, I, listen, I don't know who does great Photoshop, but I saw the Instagram picture and I'm like, listen, if y'all ain't like doing some metaverse sort of like face digitalization of getting somebody that looks just like Elias, it's going to be hella fun. Um, but wait, yeah, wait, wait. No, I have another question. What, what do we think about Gunther and Red? I love Gunther and Red. I know we're so used to seeing them in the black, you know, the, mm. the black trench coat walking out. Mm-hmm. But like when he walked out to me, he looked like a comic book villain. That yes. red. Yeah. He there didn't you like it, when he, when he walks out in black, he looks like a villain, but he looks like, you know, a, 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 but it looks me, like a wrestler. You're, yeah. You're stereotypical villain. When, right. I kid you not. When he walked out in the red jacket and the way he was looking, his chin was up. I literally was like, dude, this dude looks just like M. Bison. Like all he needs is the hat. Totally. And I was like, okay, but and that's what that's what we're trying to sell. We're trying to sell larger than life characters. You know. Last question: the hardest thing 
Well, the, the hardest outfits to design might have been amongst the women's ranks before you started going. But the hard, I think the hardest can, throughout history, the hardest people to design outfits for are the Giants, right? Right now, you got Big Omas, who's head, I think steering is, is looking the right direction. But, you know, he started off in street clothes. Then he's in the in-ring version of street clothes. On the over on AEW last night, this guy Satnam Singh debuts. I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. I knew him very well, but he's in street clothes too. Yep. We can talk about you know G, El Gigante or El Gigante, Giant Gonzalez, or like <laughs> you know even back to Big. I mean, even Big Show and 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 back to Andre at times. H- how would you design the a look like a like a real in ring look for a giant? Because it seems like we don't do it like that. Well, I think it's it's always driven by the character and by um by their story. Like say in Omas's case, I loved that he wore street clothes because he wasn't a wrestler, he was a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. So you had in his case, he had to look like he was there just to do some bodyguard stuff. And now you kind of pushed him to the moment that he has to get in the ring and do something about it. Like if he walked out there in trunks. And, you know, or a singlet, he'd just look like a big, tall, giant wrestler. Whereas when he goes out there in street clothes, he goes out there in the jacket with the with the collar popped up. He doesn't look like he's there to fight. But if you push him to the moment that he needs to fight, he's dressed in a way that he can fight. I mean, to me, he looks like the bodyguard from Barbershop. Lester Wallace, bodyguard. That's exactly what it reminds me. Of. I can see that. I can see that. Um, Surat. So obviously, you know, everybody's costume design is important, but you know, you, you take a lot of pride in uh, you know the the Sasha Banks costumes as well as you know uh, you know the the Halloween costume contest that you run with like the fans dressing up like Sasha and every big event or WrestleMania. It's always a big fashion moment when it comes to what Sasha's going to wear. Um, you guys have started to implement sort of themes. You've started to implement like high-end designer brands and, and all these other things. Just I, I would just love to know like what that conversation is like with y'all two when it comes to creating you know, a look for WrestleMania, for Royal Rumble, for... Um, uh, super showdown, some, something in Saudi where you can't wear, you know, something as as uh, as, as technical. Um, what's sort of that conversation like between you and Sasha that, you know, creates some of these, you know, fashion moments with you two? I think with her, it started off very like wrestling centric. Like she, want, she wanted to establish herself as I am a wrestler. I'm a pro wrestler. This is what I do. So with her, it started out like, you know, in your normal wrestling gear, shorts, kick pad covers, top. And they kind of gradually just got more fashionable as time went on, as like her interests changed, as her influences changed. I think uh, after a while, you start seeing girls wearing a lot of the same things. Like, you know, you can only do so many types of tops, shorts, kick pad covers. So then you start going, delving into, okay, which, which type of fashion do you like at the moment, what are you into? Like, who are you modeling your character after? What do they dress like? And you start taking that kind of stuff and implementing it into wrestling. The the big thing is like, I'll she'll send me pictures of different types of things that she likes at the moment, and my job is to look at it and be like, okay, this is great, and it looks great going down the catwalk, or it looks great in a photo, but you have to be mobile in it. You have it has to be durable in a ring. You and it's not just for this one show. A lot of times, you got to wrestle with this four times a week. So it's got to, you know, hold up over time. So you can see like 
you know, wrestling fans will do drawings and things like that of different outfits. And you see them all. Now, some of them look great, but it's a drawing. You know, that's not how gravity actually works. You're, you're drawing on top of this, you know, caricature that you drew. That's, that's not that person's actual body type. It's not going to look like that on them. So you have to take those things and, you know, adjust them in a way that it's going to fit the, the character or the person and accentuate body parts and things like that while also being, you know, safe and in the ring, because the last thing you need is, you know, things falling out and things peeking through. So, um, right before we hit record, we were talking about the stuff that's on the wall behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, the first thing you pointed out was the prototype for Roman Reigns's, uh, uh, wristbands is that is that the appropriate term? Well, it's 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 a glove and a wrist gauntlet. Uh, gauntlet. That's what that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um. So you designed the first version of that, and they and they WWE took it and ran with it. So uh, initially, they he used to wear these wrist wraps on his wrist, and then uh, one day they were coming up with this. It's kind of like a, a glove wrist gauntlet toy that Mattel was coming up with, where they wanted him to wear it in the ring, but it's. It's it's hard plastic. Like he can't go into a match with something hard plastic and actually wear it in the ring. So they came to me with the idea of, okay, can we create something like this that's going to be functional and safe in the ring? So I kind of took a took a look at it. Like the toy itself, like it had spots on there where you could press the button and it would have different sayings going on. It had the the Roman Reigns logo in the back that was the speaker. So then I tried taking that and then making it functional. So we came up with the one side being the wrist gauntlet. So he didn't have to have the glove on each side. And then the other side is the gauntlet with the glove attached to it. And then we, you know, we highlighted the knuckles, made it look, you know, almost combat issued. So at the end of the day, like, again, you'll see toys out there that have nothing to do with the wrestler. There's a Sasha Banks monster truck out there. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to ask you about that. I feel like, you know, and you would probably know more than most, like how much does outside influence tend to influence, you know, some in-ring style choices, right? Like, I feel like sometimes I'll see, like, a toy of something that happened, like, I think it was either the Big E, like, ice cream truck or, like, the Braun Strowman, like, flipping the car over. Like, he'll do it, and then they'll have the toy out the next day. So it's like, all right, like, this is definitely something that was in the works for a while. So how much does, like, outside influences like that, you know, really come into play when it comes to designing some outfits? Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta remember it's 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 also this is a business. At the end of the day, it's also a business. So you want to try to maximize, you know, you know the the elements that go into something. So sometimes when you're creating a costume, you're thinking, okay, what's also going to look really good as a a toy? If you if you just make all black outfits twenty four seven, no one's going to want to buy multiple toys because they all look exactly the same. So sometimes you you change your color schemes. You go from, you know, all black, then also the next one you have blue and red. And you, you keep doing those sways so that every time a new toy comes out, it looks brand new. It makes people want to buy. Sometimes, you know, toy companies will have an idea and they want to implement it into the show. So then all of a sudden, okay, now we have to adjust on the show for some of the stuff that happens, you know, with the toys. Like I think with the Braun Strowman car thing, you know, that was again, that was a toy that was going to come out. So when they knew it was coming out, they implemented a you know, segment where he destroys a car. And then the key, that's, that's one of the things we were trying to do for a while is, you know, making a set of gear and then having that toy with that gear appear the next day in stores. Cause if you could do that, that's, you know, that's 
best case scenario. The problem with that is, you know, the, the, the lead time on some of those toys is 12 months, 18 months. So you're trying to plan a year and a half ahead. You don't even know if the guy's going to be on the show that day, but the toys are going to come out. You don't know if he's going to be a heel. He might be injured and he's out for eight months. We don't know. So it's really hard to, to, to navigate those, those waters. But when you can, it, it, Turns out really well because you know, as you know, as a kid, you see it in on TV, and then the next day you see it at the store. Like, that's oh yeah, I'm buying that immediately. <laughs> oh yeah, I like the idea that it's like wish fulfillment, though. It's like I like so much. I, like I really am gonna, I'm gonna push for a figure of me riding a unicorn to the ring to come out in six months, <laughs> yeah. and then let's see what we can do. We'll get the when, when we get there. Let's try to find a unicorn. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a wild long term storytelling process that they got well, I mean, going on. I, I, I want to say, I was like, some of the style choices with a lot of the the characters comes from okay, what's going to work good as merch? Like for instance, you know, the Sasha knuckle rings and the the chain and the glasses. Like everybody wants a t shirt. Everybody wants their own t shirt, especially if you're a wrestler coming up. Like, yeah, I want my own t shirt. Whatever, that's what you want to have on the merch stand. The thing that a lot of wrestlers don't think about is. Okay, if I put your T-shirt on a merch stand, now you're you're competing with a John Cena, you're competing with the Roman Reigns, you're competing with the Seth Rollins, the Sasha Banks. Like your T-shirt is going up against theirs, and chances are, if you're a parent buying something for a child, you can you only you can only buy them one T-shirt. So who are you going to choose? So in Sasha's case, with the rings and the necklace and the glasses, now you're hitting a market that isn't out there. So someone can buy a T-shirt and the rings. And the glass, glasses, and they can wear it all as one outfit. So it's also it's about approaching it in a way that's going to maximize your chances of having merchandise out there that can then be seen on camera. Because the more people that are seen wearing your stuff, the more chic you feel, the more you know popular you feel. So yeah, yeah. I just have one question to double back on the conversation we had about you know Sasha and style choices and what they're into at the moment. Um, Another person that's like really leaned into his fashion choices is Seth Rollins and being the drip god and the yeah. whole thing, right? And he's admittedly said he's not the biggest fashion person, but he's getting influences from somewhere. So uh, I know you've worked on a lot of his gear. I know he has a guy that kind of helps pick out his crazy suits and outfits. But talk to me about that sort of transition that Seth Rollins went from just being like, you know, uh, shield guy and, you know, one of the, a, a good wrestler with cool gear to like, okay, now every time he steps out, he has to make like a fashion statement. Like it's a, it's a big shift from where he was to where he is now. So how did that kind of come about? So, uh, yeah, when he started changing from like the architect and when he was the architect, we went with a lot of like geometric shapes, straight lines, mimicking, mimicking like body armor and things like that. So when he tra- transitioned into the character he is now, you know, his stylists were starting to dress him in these, you know, crazy suits and very like, you know, androgynous looking things. And I was like, okay, my job is to then take that look and translate it into something he can actually wrestle in. And we went subtly at first, like we slowly started working in more floral prints, more, more brighter colors. And now to the point where at Mania, we were able to do lace, which was just something that I've, I've been really wanting to do it for a while. I wasn't sure who I wanted to do it for. I thought I was going to do it for Sasha. I thought I was going to do it for some other people. But then when I started looking at Seth, I was like, okay, that can, that can actually work for Seth. Like one of the things I really wanted to do for him, like my pitch to him this year was, hey, Seth, when you step out at WrestleMania, I want people to say, you know, what the hell is he wearing? A wedding dress? 
So like, <laughs> I, I really wanted white lace. I was going to do almost like a tux jacket, but okay. with a tail that was so long, it looked like a train. Like just things like that. And he's, I mean, he was so receptive to it because he wants it to be wild. Like the, the whole mm-hmm. idea with him is you want people to go, I'd never wear that, but it looks really good on him. And if you can, if you can hit that, that, that yeah. avenue, I think it's golden with Seth. Who's your favorite current or and all time wrestler whose whose outfits you did not design? Who, who whose looks whose whose look do you like the best? See that mask right there? Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that mask. <laughs> Ray Mysterio is my favorite wrestler of all time. All right. Yes, it is. So like, especially when him and Dom walked out and Dominic yeah. had the Gringos Locos gear. I kid you not, I jumped out of my seat and I was just like, oh, Gringos Locos, Gringos Locos. Because like that's that's a that's reaching back into the history of wrestling in a way that I didn't even think about. Like that didn't even cross my mind for him to do Gringos Locos. So when I saw that, it was you know amazing. But I mean, Ray's outfits over the years, starting from WCW to WWE, like they spoke to me and my personality. I love superheroes. I love comic books martial arts movies, all that stuff. And like, you know, when he had the Spider-Man outfit, when he had the Phantom Halloween Havoc outfit, like his, when his, his red flash outfit, actually his, his daredevil outfit from WrestleMania where he wrestled Matt Hardy. Like those things are exactly what I would love to do if I was still wrestling. So yeah. Rey Mysterio all day. That was my next question. Do you miss wrestling, man? Like, I know it's been a long time. I know you've made a great career doing what you're doing, but a lot of wrestlers I know once they had that bug, it's in them forever. Do you ever think you could jump back in there one day if you need to? So every so often I go to a ring and I, I still train and I still get in and just because that, that creativity is always going to be there. And sometimes you just need to get it out. Sometimes I'm trying to convey an idea to one of the wrestlers and it's easier just to show them the idea versus trying to explain it to them. But I mean, I remember being out of the ring for five years and all of a sudden I went in there and did a handstand bump and I was just like, Ugh, why am I doing this again? Like why? Like my body actually, it's felt, it's the first time it's felt good in 20 years. You know, why am I putting myself through this again? But yeah, I'm, I think I'm at the point where I could live vicariously through my friends. And if I just, if I have an idea, I'll shoot it their way and see if they, see if they can pull it off in a ring. Right. Yeah. Like it's very, it's a very collaborative atmosphere back there. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, wrestling, like from my time writing there, there's this whole bunch of wrestling minds that aren't even like in the creative room. You know, like sometimes you can walk past you, walk past TJ, walk past, uh, you know, uh, some of the timekeepers, like everybody has sort of an idea. It's a very collaborative effort. So when you talk about just get living vicariously through your friends and being able to still creatively help out, like what's, what's that been like for you lately? Like when's the last time you've gotten to say, oh, you know what? I think this is a good idea. And like it actually went out and did it. That had nothing to do with, you know, uh, some of the costume work you've done. I mean, sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll see someone and I'll, uh, I'll see something they do in the ring. I'm like, oh, have you ever tried doing it like this? You're just because like sometimes, you know, I- I'm one of those people that believes you listen to every idea because you never know where a good idea is going to come from. And, you know, you might hear the same idea 99 times, but that one time that it's something different than you implement it, you know, it turns out like really good. Like, for instance, um, uh, when Tony Storm was there, I was talking to her and she was, you know, she did that, uh, what is it, Storm Zero Two? The, it was like the flip over. Tiger Driver or? No, not the Tiger Driver. It's one where she flipped him over and backwards into, almost into the cutter. 
Oh God! Yes, yes, a couple yes, of times on TV. Yeah. When mm-hmm. she said that, when she saw that, I was just like, "Oh, dude! Imagine if you could do it where someone went for a tornado DDT, you know, and then you caught them halfway through, switched their leg around, moved their arm over, and then you could flip them right into it." And it's just something like I was doing it. I wouldn't even want to do that move. I'd want to take it. I'd be like, hey, right. "Who can do this to me?" And it's, it's <laughs> stuff like that. It's just it's sometimes your some people's minds just work differently. And they're seeing things from a direction that you might not necessarily be looking for at that time. So sometimes it's just taking that and just, you know, giving it to someone who, you know, can trust your judgment. Because there's a lot of guys who don't come from the wrestling world who are in Who do there. you think trusts your judgment the most back there? Uh, Sasha and usually Sasha, the, the 205 guys did because that's where I would like, I would have been a part of that. But I, I, the guys that who remember me as a wrestler who I've worked with in wrestling, like, because I, I guess they understand what I brought to the table so they can trust right. judgment and stuff like that. Nice. nice, nice. All right, man. We, we, well, we got to let you go. But before we do, I have one last question on my list that I neglected to ask before. We talked a lot about costumes fitting the character, right? Uh this might be a little bit touchy, but I, this has been bothering me now for a while. I was watching SmackDown. <laughs> why, why does Roman Reigns do cut promos in joggers and then <laughs> wrestle in like slacks? Like, how does this make any sense? <laughs> this guy can do whatever he wants. Okay, so first of all, the man's a tribal chief. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> second, of all, right. second of all, like he's well, he's he's wrestling in in combat pants. Like the, right. they're, 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 he's actually wrestling in five eleven combat pants, the same ones that SWAT teams wear, the same ones you wear in the army. So like, it's all very functional things. But when it comes to him, I'm reminded of one quote. You know, when you go into a business meeting, you don't worry about the people who are wearing the suits. You worry about the guy that walks in wearing his pajamas. That's the guy who's got who's you know who's oh. making the choices. And I think in his case, like yeah, he can walk in there in his merch shirt some Jordans and joggers, but you know, like that's the guy I don't mess with. So. All right. That's a guy you don't mess with. That's right. And you're a guy that, well, we hope everybody's going to, well, everybody mess with. has to mess with. <laughs> yeah. Please don't because my, my list of people that I need to take care of is so long that I barely get any time to sleep. So yeah, just right, right now, right now, do you, are you working on any costume designs that will be that, that you can't talk about because they, they might it might be a spoiler so just not, a yes or no i mean i don't well, well, so <laughs> I, I did i did work on something wrestling costume wise but it's not for wrestling and i can't talk about it until i get the okay okay but lo and behold i i made my first lucha mask for it so wow. yeah, once once i can actually put this info out there, it'll be cool. But yeah, it just just know it has nothing to do with wrestling. Well, it has nothing to do with the wrestling world, but it is wrestling centric. Looking cool, forward man. to that, Sarah. Thank you so much. Uh, the B scene, uh, uh, Diodorus is out right now. Right now, Footlocker.com. Uh, Sarath, man, thank you so much for kicking it with us, bro. You're an honor and a pleasure, and uh, can't wait to see you soon, buddy. Dude, thank you guys for having me. And maybe one day I will make it out to a Wale Mania. Please. Very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll do it on a different day for you one day. We'll figure listen, it out. Listen, do you, do you understand how much FOMO I had when <laughs> I saw that 
Omas was rapping on stage. <laughs> I was like, this man is going off and I am not there. And it was, yeah. And he came in, he came in fr- like, I, he came in fresh from outside too. Like he didn't, he didn't get no, nothing to drink, nothing to eat. I just brought him right on stage. I was like, yo, here's the mic, big fellow. And yeah, he just I, went in. It was I great. saw that and I was like, man, he's living a dream right now. And I can't <laughs> be there. To, I was so upset that I didn't get to see that. Oh, man, man he tore it up, too. He tore man. it up. He, he shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks, man. Oh, by the way, I have a new podcast out. You can It's on its own feed, The Book of Wrestling. Uh, this season's called 25 Catchphrases that Explain the Attitude Era. I just dropped the second episode about Austin 316 today. And, uh, and check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Kaz, you want to get your promos in? Yes, sir. I say less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie each and every Monday on YouTube.com slash Kazim and wherever you stream podcasts, MSGPM. Uh, appreciate y'all kicking it with us all season long. We'll catch you guys back in the summer. And uh, that's about it, man. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm taking the, I'm taking the spring off. I'll, I'll see you on the summer. <laughs> all right, man. Good on you. Uh, you can find me here. You can find me on the press box. You can find me on the Book of Wrestling. Until then, thank you to our babyface producer, John Kerma. We miss you, Scott Hall. We'll see you back here next week. Humanoids.